if you tried all the diets, you've dieted, you've starved, you've deprived, you've controlled, and none of them worked, this is the podcast for you today. Because I'm going to talk to somebody about not deprivation, but about eating whatever you want, but in the right portions and the right way. So you never feel deprived, but you can lose weight. Key to that, it's not just what you eat, it's not just how much you eat. Two key factors, your environment, where you are, what your home is like, what the restaurant is like, and if you're sitting in front of a mirror, will impact your ability to lose weight. And how about those habits, the good and the bad? How do you break them? How do you make them? I'm Sarah Heiner, and this is the Bottom Line Advocator Podcast. I'm Sarah Heiner, president of Bottom Line Inc., the number one provider of expert-sourced, expert-vetted, expert advice that empowers your life. I'm thrilled to be talking today to Dr. Lisa Young, nutritionist, portion control expert, and author of several books on the power of portions, including her newest book, Finally Full, Finally Slim. Rather than focus on deprivation and complicated diets, Dr. Young encourages people to eat broadly, but in proper quantities rather than the supersizes we've all come to think are normal. She spent much of her career researching the connection between growing portion sizes and the growing obesity epidemic in our country. You can learn more about Dr. Young and her work at drlisayoung.com. Welcome, Lisa. I always love talking to you. It's great to be here. I love talking to you guys, too. All right. So your new book is wonderful. We've talked a lot. We've done articles with you. You and I have done some videos in the past about the power of portion. And what I want to talk about today is some of the elements of what's in your book, because I'm sure you've done 101 interviews and I never like doing the same thing everybody else does. So let's talk about a little bit about your theories on portion, what people aren't realizing that their awareness of portion and they want to then I want to focus on environment and habits because of the, those are two of the key areas that if you don't get the basics right then you can't you can't do the details right so yes absolutely that's so true okay so give a basic overview because i don't think people have any realization in terms of the portion problems you talk in the book about the growth in portion sizes from like the 1950s to now, the size of hamburgers, sodas, french fries. Like, I don't think people realize how much things have changed. You know, I think people realize that things have gotten bigger, but I don't think they realize that they could be five times the size of an original. And that is really significant. Yeah, I mean, just for perspective, in the 1950s, a hamburger was like three and a half ounces. That's even less than a quarter pounder. And now, more often, they're closer. They're six to eight ounces, right? Sodas went from eight ounces to a quart in some cases. And French fries also went from like three ounces, which was a normal kind of appropriate size. And now it's like juggo, you know, basket of fries. And people, our whole perspective on what's a normal size has shifted or we don't even know what normal is anymore because that's our normal is enormous well that's the problem what used to be considered normal is now we think we're being gypped if we get that size and so everything is sort of shifting upward including our waists including our weight well and there's been a huge yeah the, the parallel growth between super size and super waists um and Absolutely. it's a perfect a perfect parallel because Larger portions contain more calories than small portions, 
And even if we don't finish that food, we eat more. And the real clincher, Sarah, is that we then underestimate how much we ate. So we know we ate more, but when you ask people how many calories did you just eat, they have no idea that it's that many more calories. Well, we have no clue about calories, but even on size, they just don't get it. So let me ask you this, though. It's so weird. So, you know, in the old days, people didn't go out to dinner much, and they did a lot of cooking at home. Um, And then in recent years, people go out to restaurants more. The portion sizes have grown. How come the portion sizes at home grew? Did restaurants drive the home sizes? I think that it's twofold. I think restaurants take out places and what we are getting used to when we eat outside the home has driven that and we spend about half of our food budget on foods prepared outside the home so that's a lot and then i think the second thing that is driving it is we're now seeing bigger plates and mugs and all these sort of fun type of things not our grandmother's dishes that just came in one size and I think that could be driving it as well. And we have containers and bowls literally in 20 different sizes. Let alone all-you-can-stand buffets, as I call right. it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and how heavy, how big can you make it? So let's do like two minutes, just the overview of your whole concept of you know, portion management and, and understanding what an appropriate portion is. Because your whole premise is you can eat everything. It's not like other diets where it's about depriving yourself of whole categories of food. Your view is you can eat, I'll call it basically anything. Obviously, you don't want to live on the anythings, but you can eat basically anything in the right sizes. And I love that theory because it doesn't feel depriving. And it's not depriving. And then the other thing is that when people hear portion control, they think they have to eat tiny portions. And that is not true. Like in my book, fruits and vegetables are freebies. So I want you to be full. I want you to be able to be not have an empty plate. So fruits and vegetables, you don't have to sit and dwell and worry that, you know, the carrot or the banana that you ate is going to cause weight gain. So you don't have to eat tiny portions. And those things are so rich. People don't realize they're so rich in flavors. We're so used to highly sugared, highly salted foods and carbaholics. But there are carbs in those things. It does satisfy those cravings. And again, like everybody always says, beautiful colors rich nutrients and you feel better when you eat those foods absolutely you do you do and you don't have to really dwell and obsess about counting them and measuring them it's true all right so you've got these great kind of handy guidelines um i don't want to go through them now again you've probably been interviewed on those a thousand times there's a great diagram in your book everyone should go out and buy your book finally full finally slim because there are great diagrams in there that will show you real easily what an appropriate portion size is. You can use your hand as a guideline, your thumb, just different easy measures so that even when you're out and about, you understand what, what's appropriate to eat. Um, all right, let's talk about instead the two things you and I you know, have spoken about separately, the importance of environment and the importance of habits because you can't change what you're doing. I can't change what I'm eating if I'm stuck in an environment that's not conducive to that kind of, to healthy behavior. So let's talk about the environment. Tell me, tell me a little bit about environment, importance of environment, and you talk about home and out, out of home environment. Yeah, I mean, you eat what is around you. That really is probably one of the biggest impact that will influence what and how much we eat. 
So we're eating big portions. Why? Because that's what we're served. It's not that we're going out of our way, but that's what we get. So when we surround ourselves with healthy food in appropriate portions, we are armed with the techniques to be able to really follow a healthy plan. So I talk about the kitchen, the home, and then I also talk about the restaurants, food shopping, and others. So for example, if you have a cluttered kitchen and you can't find anything, or you bring five different types of cookies into your home and leave them on the counter, you're probably going to end up eating too much. Well, and I think you, you made... On the flip side, if you declutter your kitchen, eat off of your grandma's dishes, not tiny dishes, but maybe smaller sized, and you put, you have one kind of cookie in the home or cereal, keep it in an opaque container, out of sight, out of mind, and keep fruit and vegetables handy, you will probably eat less and eat better as well. Yeah, and you, you made a really interesting point in your book when you talk about this, how clutter, a cluttered environment is very stressful. So not only do you have all these temptations in front of you, but that clutter adds stress, and then what happens when you're stressed? You eat, you stress eat. So it's this kind of reinforcing behavior through this stressful environment. And what's more, Sarah, is that we don't even realize, it, it's so subtle that we don't even realize that if we make this change, we'll just eat better naturally, we don't even have to try. Yeah, and, and again, as you said, like it's about shifting all of your stuff, it's about a shift in framework. And it's not punitive, it's not deprivation, it's really just cleaning up your life a little bit and shifting your whole perspective on how you put your plate together and how you put your life together. Just that. Absolutely, absolutely. <laughs> um, and shopping you... also. That's another very big part of your environment. And I write, and this applies to everyone, including you and me. What you bring into your house is what you will eat, even if you don't think it pertains to you. So it's so important to realize that if you bring junk food in, the more you bring in, the more you'll eat. If you bring healthy things in, that's what you'll eat. If you store things in appropriate portions, whether it's by single servings, or if you're going to be paying more money for that, you might want to take the big bag and then divvy it up yourself into little baggies and so that you have a snack of something that you might want. But keep measuring cups just handy. You don't have to weigh things all the time. But if you keep these things around at arm's reach, you will 99% probably make better choices. You know, it's so funny you said that about the temptations in the house. I love ice cream, love it. But in general, I don't eat dairy and I don't eat sugar. Every so often we'll bring ice cream into the house and the minutes in, it's in the house, all I can think about is that ice cream that's screaming to me from the freezer. If I don't have it in the house, doesn't bother me at all, I'm perfectly fine. But the minute it's there, you know it's there. No, I agree, absolutely. Even if you say, I'm not buying this for myself, I'm buying this for my husband or my kid or whatever, you will want it. Oh my God, I'm Pavlov's dog. I'm literally drooling, <laughs> just knowing that it's there. Just thinking about it now, the idea that it might be in my house, and there isn't any. Um, let's talk about mirrors. Because you have an interesting comment about there about what happens when we eat in front of a mirror. 
yeah, it's interesting. We're going to eat more. You know, we don't really realize it, but it's, you know, we're affected by all these things. So if I have a mirror in my kitchen, like behind, some people might put stick a mirror behind their kitchen table or bedhead or something, that it's funny that you, people eat more when you're with other people, right? Is that, am I flipping it or is that the right way it goes? Yep, right. yep, absolutely. And they don't really realize it either. Right. So you eat more if you're with, you're with a friend, you're chatting, you're eating, whatever. And then if you're sitting alone but you're in front of a mirror, you oddly will eat more in front of the mirror. Yep, yep. And again, we're not 100% sure why, but it could also be that you're not paying attention to your internal cues. And this goes, this brings me to habits, and we can shift to habits later, but you're not necessarily being so mindful and paying attention to how slowly you're eating and your food when you're focusing on looking in the mirror, talking to your friend, looking at who's there or other influences or listening even to loud music. Interesting. So that means you have to be extra careful when you have, like if you have a dinner party or if you're out to be conscious of how much is on your plate, what your serving sizes are, because you will unconsciously just eat a lot more. Definitely. Definitely. And one win-win situation is you can eat more of the salad and the vegetables and the fruit. So when you have an extra platter of blueberries for dessert, have that little one piece of cake, but just fill up on the different berries. Or the more variety, the more we eat, so have strawberries, blueberries, and blackberries. So chances are you'll eat more fruit, have a little small piece of dessert or ice cream, and you won't feel deprived. Yep, totally. All right, now you had a couple of really interesting suggestions for at-home for portion control in cooking. Um, because, you know, you do eat less when you're at home, when you cook at home versus when you're out. So you t- talk about your muffin pan cooking and your coffee mug cooking. Because that was, you know, great, great tips. Yeah, I mean, you can make things in a coffee mug. You can make just about anything, whether it's lasagna for one, eggs for one. And you can also use muffin tins and use little ones. And you can make little desserts, you can make little souffles, and we eat in units. So when you cook for five people and you're one person or two people, chances are you're gonna eat more. But when you make things for one and you put it in a dish that's for one, it really feels like it's for one. And in the case of let's say a lasagna in a, you know, in a mug, then you could fill up on extra salad and greens. And I always advise that you keep you know, bags of salad and even bags of frozen vegetables around so that you can have those on hand and you can have a larger portion of those foods. So the mugs, do you, do you like, I, I'm trying to imagine, do I put the lasagna in the oven? Because again, my mouth is watering now. Um, am I just taking a mug, layering it and sticking it in the oven? I have to buy special oven-proof mugs? Well, you could. It depends on the mug, but some mugs can go in the oven, actually. Yeah. Do they? Okay. I had no idea. I'm going to go look. But muffin cooking, we, I recently was making breakfast for a niece of mine. I went over, it was her birthday, and I ran over to surprise her for breakfast. And I made little omelets, little little egg cups in, in a muffin pan, and they worked so great. Portable for the school bus, so great for people just on the go, grab your breakfast, and you have a healthy breakfast instead of a, a donut. Yeah, and you can even make oatmeal, like oatmeal bakes. Instead of just having the oatmeal the traditional way, you know, you could... Make it in like a little muffin pan, and it's sort of like an oat muffin, but it's not 
like the size you buy in the store, and it's not like the ones that have all the added sugar, fat, and all the other things. Oh, yeah. Um, and then, wait, I was just going to say something, and it was so good, and it went right out of my mind. So I'm going to talk about seasonings instead. Um, you like, very often many people will say to use seasonings instead of salt. So what are some of your favorite seasonings for people to use? I love turmeric and black pepper. Uh, turmeric is anti-inflammatory, and if you have it with black pepper, in fact, I just had eggs earlier and I added both of those. And people often think just to add salt. Black pepper will help in the absorption of turmeric. So when you use both of them, it really is a win-win combination. So those are two great spices. Also, if you feel that you need sugar, making a smoothie or something, chances are you don't. Cinnamon, nutmeg, vanilla, fabulous. Cinnamon is good for blood sugar. So a lot of these spices and herbs and other things really have a lot of health benefits as well. Yeah, no question. Turmeric in particular is one of the best for you. Cinnamon for your blood sugar, as you said. Um, and there are a lot of kind of fun spice mixes out there. Have you tried, I'm not promoting Trader Joe's or anything, but they have this everything but the bagel seasoning? Yes, very good, very good. Oh my gosh, it's so good. And you can put it on anything. You can put it on a bagel, but you can put it, I sprinkled it on a salad the other day. It gave it so much flavor. It was amazing. Yeah, and you could also sprinkle it on vegetables with a little bit of olive oil or sesame oil. So I don't want anyone to eat boring steamed vegetables. But you can have sautéed, and then you add spices, and it really totally changes the flavor, and yeah. you don't feel deprived. And I think we forget to explore the seasoning aisle. You kind of have the same spices and seasonings you've had in your house for 30 years, no joke. Everyone who's been married for decades, they got that same can of marjoram they had to you know, buy, buy for one recipe 100 years ago. But there are some great blends, and, and um, you know, Trader Joe's is always in exploration anyway. It's like a you know, a moving, you know, search. Um, so yeah, the take, take, go exploring through the grocery stores and see what kind of new flavors you can find. Um, let's talk about out of home because you know, the environment outside of the house obviously is hugely significant in terms of, we already talked about eating alone versus with others that we actually eat. Interesting, like we eat more when we're with others or we eat less when we're with others? We eat more when we're with others, um, usually because we're easily influenced by the surroundings. And you know when you go out to eat, you'll have an appetizer for the table. Nobody really takes ownership that they're eating it. But all of a sudden, you've got these onion rings and fried mozzarella sticks that the table ordered, and somehow they disappear. It's not fattening so, if you all shared it. We all shared it, exactly. Right. You know, and so you've got to realize, hey, I'm eating that. And also who you hang out with matters, because if you hang out with healthier people, you'll eat better. If you, know, you hang out with a bunch of, you know, couch potato, fast food eating, you know, junkies, then guess what? You might be influenced. You know, it's so funny, because I was actually going to propose to you that the human environment was almost a third environment. Because of that, exactly. Like, depending on who you're with, you're going to eat in different ways. I think that's great because it's so true. It's so true. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's go back to the restaurants. Um, you have a suggestion that people should actually snack before they go out so that they're not starving when they order and don't have to eat all those mozzarella sticks. When you go to a restaurant, famished, or a special occasion, or a party, or wherever, you are going to eat what is there. And you don't really know if what is there is going to be healthy or maybe... The second course might be healthy, but maybe the first course won't, or maybe they're having hors d'oeuvres. 
So if you have, you know, a hundred to two hundred calorie snack, we're not talking, you know, hundreds of calories that are going to break it in the bank. A yogurt, some veggies and hummus, some avocado, you know, with whole grain crackers. You have something before you go to sort of nuts. Cuts your appetite so that when you get to your event, you can enjoy the company, you can socialize, and you can't. You don't just reach for the bread basket and the alcohol. And we know when you have alcohol first on an empty stomach, your inhibitions will go way down. Well, that's true. And even though if you jump on the fresh bread, then exactly. that, that just sh- spikes your sugar right away and sends you on the cycle of needing more and needing more. Yes. So how about the type of restaurant? You know, if you go to, do you have to be conscious of the type of restaurant that you go to in terms of, again, the all-you-can-stand buffet versus usually fancier restaurants have smaller portions? You know, you could, and I tried when I worked on the chapter on dine out defensively, I try to talk about every possible scenario, every condition. First of all, you can find healthy food everywhere. When you are at a buffet, as you mentioned, you have a tendency to pile on the plate, high, 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 whereas when you're sitting in a fancy restaurant, but you could change that and turn that around for the positive, because when you go to a buffet, you also have the choice. So what I say, and you could get often healthier stuff at the buffet, you just don't want to eat it all. And what I suggest that people do is rather than just take the first five things they see and then find something they like better, you know, at the 10th station, do a lap around. Survey the scene, see what's going on, and then you can pick what you really love. Yeah, actually, I find it so interesting. When I go to buffets, I eat less because it's almost like it's like window shopping. Like, you, like I almost ate it with my eyes. So That's I don't. Great, and you also probably could get a lot of healthy choices. So, you know, you might tune in and pick the healthy things. Yeah. Now, how about though the um, like the chain restaurants again, where they've got the you know triple sizes, the the lobster steak specials at the you know. Texas Roadhouse or the, you know, um, Outback or, you know, all, all the like chain restaurants somehow seem to supersize their portions more than private restaurants. Is that a... No, absolutely, yeah. because it's also people will go back and they want to make money and so they can charge a little bit more and serve a lot more. So what I tell people is a restaurant portion is probably enough for two people. So share that, start with a salad, share the salad. You can get an extra side of veggies if you wanted, or two salads, but share that main dish. Sometimes you can get an appetizer portion of pasta, and that's one and a half to two cups. That's enough for a main dish, as opposed to, you know, three to four cups coming in some of these chain Italian restaurants. Yeah, I think that's a really important point, which is people shouldn't be embarrassed to share an entree. You know, you almost have this feeling of obligation to order two entrees, two appetizers, because you don't want the restaurant to feel bad or the wait person to feel bad. But let them feel bad. (laughs) Let them feel bad and tip them well. It's not like you're just buying one entree for everyone. And I think the biggest issue is that eating out is no longer a special occasion. It's what we do on a regular basis. If it were a special occasion, like it were in the 70s and early 80s, then splurge. But you don't want to splurge every single day. Right. 
Right. So either share an entree or if you and your dinner mate don't agree, on the flip side, you say immediately ask for a to-go box. Cut that thing in half and get it off your plate right away. Absolutely. And then eat it to tomorrow. So then you're really having a win-win combination financially. You're getting two meals out of it. Exactly. Unless, of course, it was your one treat night where you were going to have chicken parmesan and you never go out and eat that anyway. So, so, <laughs> of course. Every something you get. What do you think about people like having a, I'll call it a day of cheats? But I guess in your world, you don't have to because you're always allowed to eat whatever you want as long as the portion is appropriate. Exactly. And I don't even want to call it a cheat. I want to yeah. call it a, you know, enjoy the meal. Yeah. Hmm. Good point. All right. Let's talk about habits. Um, because as I said, like so much of weight management is about deprivation, but you focus on positive habits and a positive lifestyle shift. So, um, and is it, and it, there's the two sides of it. There's strengthening and creating new positive habits versus breaking bad habits. So let's do the positive side first. What's the easiest place to start in forming a new habit? Like, is there a favorite quick hit habit? The easiest place to start is, I like coming from a place of power and knowing what you can do rather than what you can't. So for example, and I give, in, 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 these ch- in the ch- section I have on habits, I give a lot of positive stuff. So when we just talked about cheating and cheat days, I say do the 80-20 rule. You don't have to be good, it doesn't have to be 80-20 like mathematically. You wanna be good most of the time, have healthy habits most of the time, and then give yourself some wiggle room. Another way to create a healthy habit is instead of saying, I'm not going to eat this and I'm not going to eat that, we need to tell people what they can eat. So I provide a series of swaps and I sort of use uh, the acronym SLIM, which just for different types of swaps. Some of them are size swaps, which have a smaller size. Some of them are lean swaps, like have fish instead of meat. And this way, you're taking something out, but you're adding something in which will help you to create a healthier habit. Yeah, and I think it's also, it's just getting used to eating those healthier foods and getting used to the taste of those healthy foods. I've been trying to wean my husband off cheese for a very long time. He's gotten really good about it. But it took him a long time to shift his palate and then to enjoy, to find other spreads. So now he uses avocado or guacamole as kind of a spread versus throw cheese on something, you know, for that kind of added texture. So, you know, learning to play with it and appreciating the different tastes and let, giving time. How long does it take to change your palate's, you know, kind of taste to some of these things? You know, I don't know that nobody really knows for sure, but they say oh, it takes about a month to really sort of hone in and create new habits. But I think the positive thing, Sarah, is that when you're taking away the cheese, you're giving him something else. Yes. Otherwise, right. he'd feel deprived, right. and then he wouldn't be able to stick with it. Well, and he's also, he still gets a little bit of cheese, but it's not cheese three times a day. It's a little bit of cheese in a limited portion on limited frequency. So it's not never, it's appropriate. And I also think really eating mindfully is so important. Right now we eat at our desks, we're on the telephone, we're looking at the computer. We're just not paying any attention. Chew your food, eat slowly put things down, you want your ice cream, don't eat it out of the, the pint, but put it in a small dish, sit down. How hungry are you? So I've got this sort of hunger rater that will rate, you determine how hungry, and you never want to be ravenous, 
and you never want to be overfull. Yes. And you want to really work on those and practice. Well, I'm not even sure that people are aware of their bad habits because people just eat. Just like, you know, going back to the beginning in terms of portion size in restaurants, normal is a piece of, you know, prime rib, Fred Flintstone size oozing off a platter. They don't realize that that's like enough to feed a family of eight. So how aware, how do you get people to even be aware of their bad habits? Because they're just doing what they've done obliviously, as you've said, they're not mindful about it. Well, the first thing I say, and you guys did a wonderful, wonderful article, um, you know, that we worked on together, which was the food diary. You know, write down what you eat. Not just what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat, where you are, and you could see it. Just do it once in a while. Do it for a month, do it for a week, whatever, just to really help you to see well, what am I doing wrong. In order to make those changes, you need to know what you're doing wrong. Yeah, it's true. You're not even you're you're so not aware, especially as you said when you're like if you're at the office and there's snacks out on the table and you unconsciously you walk by at three in the afternoon and you just have a bite of those cookies that somebody left out on the countertop. Yeah, and eat slowly. I mean, there's so much research that found the faster you eat, the more likely you are to be overweight. What is? When I say buy chopsticks, you know, maybe chopsticks. (laughs) I'm still trying to master chopsticks, but you eat more slowly. Oh, you mean you should chew your food thoroughly and not inhale like a frat boy? Yes, exactly. Wow, I should try that. Um, What are some of the the habits that people are most oblivious to? Like the hardest things for them to recognize? I think they just eat without paying attention, and I think people eat too fast. And when you go to a restaurant and you see people that are comfortable with each other, they're not even talking. They're just wolfing. You know, and then when you see someone on a date, you know, where they just met each other or a business lunch, let's say, when you're trying to be polite, that's when they put their fork down between bites, enjoy the company. People eat while they're talking. And I think that the eating fast is something that is so easy to change. And rather than tell people eat less, if you just say eat more slowly, they will naturally eat less. And they need to savor every bite, recognize the flavor. Yeah, you know, it's so funny. I think we're so unconscious of our eating. So I worked with an executive coach years ago, and her first thing whenever she would work with new clients was to have them look at their weight and their fitness and and address that because most of her clients had some kind of weight issue and the reason she did that was because that was a place that people could control and it helped them see that they have more control over their lives than they gave than they understood or that they thought they did because people are so full of excuses they can't change they can't control things they can't whatever and I think in eating that we go passively through and kind of live like it's not, you know, I can't help it, right? That I don't have more control over my diet. Somehow magically the donut ended up in my mouth. It wasn't that I drove to the store, bought it, you know, selected it, all that sort of stuff. Right, exactly. That donut just peered into my mouth. Exactly. Exactly. It just showed up there. Um, So, (laughs) you know, where people are like so unconscious of it, I thought this was so interesting because it was, Every single time, every client she worked with, she was able to demonstrate how much power they have and how much control you have. So that, you know, where people are prone to go, I can't do it, I can't stick with it, I could never eat, you know, eat like that. 
they all really can. They can break those habits. They can serve themselves. They can become conscious of what they're doing and slow down and chew their food and all the things that you're suggesting. Yes, they, but before they can do that, they have to know what it is that they're doing wrong. So they've got to recognize or go through some taking stock of what it is that they're not doing right. And the food dairy will help them with that? Yes. It'll help it. And I think also, did you tell me you've got the food diary pages on your website as well? Yes, those I have. Right when you just sign up for my newsletter, you can download the dining out chapter for free and the portion tracker. Because a lot of people bought the book. Some people might buy a Kindle. So if they buy a Kindle this way, they, they can have it. All right. Dr. Lisa Young, the book is finally full, finally slim. And as far as I'm concerned, finally the easiest way to lose weight. So oh, thank, yes. thank, you. <laughs> thank you, Dr. Lisa Young. Okay, great. Thank you. I'm talking to Dr. Lisa Young, one of the foremost experts on nutrition and weight management based on how much you eat, not what you eat. We're living in a supersized society, which has been hazardous to our health. Dr. Young helps her patients lose weight and get healthy by helping them develop a whole new perspective on food. It's not about saying no, it's about eating it all, but in appropriate sized portions. Dr. Young has been providing Bottom Lines readers with her wisdom on nutrition and portion management for many years. Her insights appear regularly in our highly acclaimed publication, Bottom Line Health which is filled with information from America's top leading mainstream and complementary experts on not just diet and weight loss, but on all aspects of a healthy life, including how to treat diseases quickly and safely, identifying risks and symptoms of illness, and most importantly, how to increase your odds of living a long and vibrant life. Bottom Line Health has been helping people lead more informed and vibrant lives for over 30 years with our actionable and double fact-checked advice. Subscribe today and get two free bonus books, Physician's Guide to the Right Medicines, and Physician's Guide to Remedies and Cures, full of some of the greatest tips from our team of health experts. Just go to bottomlineinc.com forward slash BLH. That's bottomlineinc.com forward slash BLH.